and good morning. You have noticed, if you were here last week, that I'm preaching from the same passage Calvin used last Sunday. So to make things easier on everyone, I have Calvin's sermon right here, and I'll just be reading it again, this time at a higher pitch. (laughs) Just joking. Uh, We're going to listen to this passage again, and let's see if we can hear some new things for a new year together today. This is Luke 2, 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Today we are getting ready to welcome a brand new year, aren't we? The divide between today and tomorrow is typically what we call the new year. But as I was thinking about it, it seems to me... Like, each year is actually filled with a number of many new years. Follow this for a second and see if you agree. There's the new year on January 1st, but isn't it also sort of a new year when the kids get out of school? The first day of summer break, they automatically become another year older. They go from third to fourth or fourth to fifth. Isn't it sort of a new year when we have rally day, when we have all of our fall programming ready and we bless our children? if you have an anniversary to celebrate, and whenever you have a birthday, aren't those new years of their own? What those things have in common is that in each of these transitions, we reflect on what has been and what is to come, and we mark the time as special and unique, the start of something new. We say goodbye to what has been, sometimes heartily, and we welcome what is coming next. So there can 
if you follow that train of thought, in a way, there can be a happy new year in the middle of everything. Today, we're all arriving together at what is officially recognized as the meeting of the old and new years, 2020, 20, sorry, 2023 meet 2024. At midnight, we hope to say, nice to meet you, 2024. Though, of course, some of us will say, catch you later, 2024, at 9 p.m. <laughs> I'm wondering how many of us have had, whether now or in the past, the annual tradition of watching the ball drop at Times Square. You all watch the midnights? Okay, just a few of us. Is there anyone who is not old enough yet to stay up until midnight in the room? Okay, and my kids, yes, I see those hands. Don't worry, you'll get there. If you are one of the many of us, uh, maybe not those of us in this room, but the many of us worldwide um, who watch New Year's Eve happen, you know that you wait a long time for midnight. You will put up with a lot of musicians who are probably not your favorite, and you will listen to hours of commentary to get to the exact moment when your new year starts. And thanks to technology, the shiny, let me get this right, 11,875 pound ball drops at exactly midnight, no matter where in the US we are. It drops in New York City at midnight Eastern time, for us it drops midnight Central time, and so forth as the new year makes its way westward. And all of those things, what it has in common across the country is that the new year comes in a single moment. And with that, for most of us, a thoughtful, thoughtful reflection on what the last year has been. And of course, what we might do in the next one to mark the, the days with grace and purpose. Some years are so easy to welcome, like 2021. Do you remember how happy people were to kick 2020 so deep into the category of the past that it could never be seen again? And then a while later, how happy they were to do the same to 2021? But for as long as each of those years felt, all of us knew that there would be a moment in which simultaneously nothing had really changed, but everything was new. And that's the kind of change that we can feel in our bones when the new year is here. In our text from Luke's Gospel today, we have the account of who was there to see in Jesus' coming, the coming of a new year. The writer of the book of Luke has set the scene for what happened in the temple that day. Now for the people of God, the rule is your first son is God's. Holy to the Lord, set apart for God. And as you can imagine, that would be a lot of young men set apart for God. As Mary's firstborn son, Jesus is brought to the temple so he can be set apart for the Lord. Luke paints us a picture of a dutiful father and a contemplative mother, brand new parents bringing baby Jesus to the temple. Around them, the worship space, which would have been filled at that time with people, maybe animals, and definitely incense the smell of prayers that have gone up for years upon years, the spent incense, never knowing that the years have now all been worth it. This family is approached first by a man named Simeon, and in the text he's called a righteous man, 
Being righteous was the goal of Jewish faith. It meant having a right relationship with God and all that God has made. In fact, there may not have been any higher praise for a Jewish person than to be called righteous. So we take Simeon's word for it when he is certain that he can see the Messiah. He sees past their poverty to the heart of things, that this is the baby. He feels the instant connection to the hopes and fears of all the years met in him. Simeon speaks eloquently of the joy he experiences in seeing the Savior. Now, we don't know if he is old at this point. The text doesn't say, but we know that he feels he has experienced in this moment everything worth living for, and that is enough. Then at that very moment, here comes Anna, a widow. In our minds, we can picture Anna with hands stretched out in worship, coming to bless this poor, tired young family. She's an old woman, but a woman filled with life and vigor. An old woman, to be sure, especially by the standards of that day. She's a prayerful woman with a powerful spirit. And here she is now in the center of God's breaking news, listening to the tiny breaths of the hope of the world. She knows him instantly as the Messiah. If we pan left in the scene, we can imagine the looks of amazement on Joseph and Mary's faces as complete strangers are recognizing baby Jesus as if they found a long-lost friend. Anna and Simeon are two people who feel the stirring that happens when you know something good that no one else knows quite yet. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Simeon, so it's no wonder that he recognized the same Spirit in the special child, the one that would bring good news, liberation, release, comfort, joy, and praise. Simeon was a good man. The text even calls him righteous and led by the Spirit. You know what it says about Anna? Anna is called a prophet. So maybe here's where we want to zoom in just a little closer. The writer of Luke says Anna is a prophet. She's a prophetess. And she is the only prophetess in the New Testament, who is given a name specifically. Being a prophetess puts her in some good company, doesn't it? Not only with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Samuel, and their fellows, but with people like Miriam and Huldah and Deborah. She's one of them, says Luke. In my opinion, after spending a little bit of time with her in the last few days. Anna has got to be one of the coolest people in the Bible. She is so clearly someone who belonged to God. She is not defined by a career, by what other people think, even by a husband. She had one, she had a husband, but he ended up being sort of a blip on the screen she had seven years married to a man, and I'm sure it was wonderful. But then she spent the rest of her life 
being married to God. I imagine that Anna is one of the first women in a long line of women who've held the church up with those worshiping hands. And Anna and her friend Simeon are the first to discern on this particular day. Times have really changed. It's not just a new day, it's a new kind of year. So how do Anna and Simeon come to the temple that day? For Simeon, it's a moment of inspiration. It says Simeon is drawn to the temple. No doubt, after years of listening to and obeying the Spirit, he can follow the Spirit's wind as soon as it blows. And how does Anna get there? She's already there. She moved in years ago. It's probable that each new year has been about the same for her. I don't know that it was boring, so I won't say that. I'm sure there was excitement if you've been around church long enough. You know how exciting things can get, right? (laughs) But the patterns and the habits and the resolutions seem to be largely unchanged. It seems in the text that she meets each year, each new day, with an eye to the Lord, an attitude of attention brought about by the habits of her body, going to worship and seeking God every day, even when it may seem to others a great waste of time. Anna is an old woman who has seen it all and has not lost hope. She has the kind of hope that is discerned from frequent conversation with God, from her earned friendship with God. What patient belief, what patient practice she has had to dedicate herself to what matters most day after day, knowing that the faithful see the glory of God eventually. Have you ever known anyone that beautiful? Have you known a person who prays like that, who you feel really knows God with a beautiful spirit? Have you ever had a friend or a parent or a pastor or maybe someone you've only met one time that you knew just had to be God's friend? You know, I don't just mean women. Men can be beautiful too. Simeon was undoubtedly a very radiant guy. Meeting a person with a beautiful spirit can change us. Seeing someone who emerges from the fire more beautiful, more sweet, can inspire us to do the same. It's entirely possible that for a while, Anna had lost all sense of self after her husband died. What do you do when you lose the one person you think you're going to get to live with for the rest of your life? It's possible maybe she spiraled for a while. Maybe it took her some time to accept this new reality and lean into the prayer-filled life she eventually found. Or, on the other hand, maybe, maybe Anna always knew that the husband wasn't the, the true dream. So as much as she grieved the terrible, irreplaceable loss, she embraced the greater gift of God. Either scenario is possible, and neither makes her more or less a saint, which is what I think she is, a saint, Because however she got there, she got there. And she did it through daily, unglamorous habits 
She picked herself up day after day to go to worship. She prays, just prays, maybe because she doesn't know what else to do. Maybe because there isn't anything else to do. But after a horrible, gut-wrenching loss, whether she has felt like a saint or felt like Job, however Anna gets there, she has discerned and embraced a new holy season of her life, one that has brought her razor-sharp discernment of her time, an enviable union with God. What we know from the text is that Anna has done what she resolved ages ago to do, to fast and pray. She puts herself in proximity to those goals by moving into the worship center. Talk about motivation. When I was younger, I was my dad's part-time pastoral tag-along. My dad was a pastor, so I went on hospital visits. By the way, my dad's in the back. (laughs) So this is about you, Dad. Uh, I went on a lot of pastoral hospital visits, and I went to a lot of what I called old lady prayer meetings. At three and four years old, I was easily bored by these meetings. I mean, for an hour, you sit and do the same thing. But it was also true that these ladies were some of the coolest ladies that I knew. Several of these were women who had lost husbands or women who had been missionaries and then married and then lost a husband. These were women who knew how to pray with their whole lives. It was kind of like being in a room full of Anna's. These were some of the elders of my faith and outside of my biological family, it was women like these who showed me what it looked like to prioritize habits of faithfulness which are daily, unglamorous, unseen, meaningful, and deep. Habits which can prepare you for your work, for your particular time and task. And so with Anna, we might rightly assume that her whole life, which had been chock full of prayer, had prepared her to do what no one else could have, And that was to name the moment, the moment it was clear that the Messiah had arrived, ushering in a new year. Because frankly, if the text is right, everyone knows Anna is a prophetess. So if Anna says the Messiah is here, people, the Messiah is here. Those with ears to hear and eyes to see can encounter him. The faithful see the glory of God. When God does a new thing, the faithful are always there to see it, aren't they? And then to mark it, and then to share it. So as we head into our new year, is it possible that we might walk so daily and stay so in step with the Spirit that we might be the ones to mark the coming of a new kind of year, and see when God is indeed doing a new thing in our dailiness. Let's take this picture home with us today. Anna and Simeon, who when the time came, correctly discerned the time they were in 
and even at the end of their lives, life is here, staring them in the face. It was a new year. Do you know what year it was? It was the year of the Lord's favor. <laughs>